Okay, sounds good. Heavenly Father, today we put on the full armor to protect us against attack. We put on the belt of truth to protect against lies and deception. We put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts from the temptations. We put the gospel of peace on our feet to walk in your light, peace, and freedom with the Holy Spirit. We rebuke anxious thoughts. We take up your shield of faith for protection to block and destroy all the darts and threats thrown at us by the enemy. We put on the helmet of salvation to cover our minds and thoughts, reminding us that we are children of a mighty king. We are forgiven, set free, saved by the blood of Jesus. We take up the sword of the spirit, your living word, that has the power to demolish strongholds and is sharper than any double-edged sword. We come to you, Lord, in prayer daily. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. What's up, you guys? Welcome to The Imagination. I'm your host, Emma, and this week we are welcoming back for the third time podcast regular, ritual abuse, child trafficking, and mind control survivor, mother, entrepreneur, tattoo cover-up extraordinaire, artist, gallery, and tattoo shop owner, podcast host of her own YouTube channel at Desert Dakini, educator and walking miracle, Carrie Olahe. In case you're new here or Miss Carrie's first episode where she walks us through her testimony, here's a short recap for you. Carrie was born into a multi-generational incest-based family and from a young age was sold into government and military-sanctioned mind control programs with the goal of making her a child assassin, sex slave, and ritual butcher. Her abuse was perpetrated initially by her father, who then passed her on to other owners and handlers who furthered her programming trafficking, and ritual abuse. I encourage you all to go watch her important testimony as she quite literally paints us a few massive disclosures that give deeper insights into the operational aspects of satanic rituals and abuses that happen within these occult networks. The second time Carrie was on, we dug into more programming, including core split programming, as well as answered a lot of questions people have on dissociation and dissociative identity disorder, also known as DID. Both of these episodes are huge keys in this big puzzle, and I'll have Carrie's playlist below in the show notes for you guys to go watch. This time around, Carrie is going to dive deeper into some topics that we haven't covered much or at all on this podcast, including trauma programming and animal alters, what it's like for survivors to experience memory recall, and the PTSD that comes with it before and during the the memories blackmail, child snuff and pornography, communicating with different alters as they come out, human hunting, and more. You do not want to miss this crucial episode. If you've watched Carrie's other episodes, you have seen her gift of storytelling and expressing her horrific experiences using art and how it helps deepen our own understanding of the unfathomable. Carrie's ability to break down such complex subject matter into palatable bites for us to chew on has had such a huge impact on me personally, and I know from the comments, viewership on her videos, and request to have her back on the show that all of you were just as deeply impacted by her as I am. I can say without a shadow of a doubt that Carrie is one of the absolute most sweetest and kindest people I have ever met, which is ironic because she's also experienced some of the most horrific things humanly possible in her life that could and should have made her into the generational perpetrator. Her abusers invested so much time, energy, and money to try to force her to be. Despite their best efforts to shatter and break her in every way possible, 
the very weapon they honed her to become to serve their dark agendas would, as Carrie says, become the same honed weapon that is now pointed and being used against them. Carrie's disclosures are so brave, and she gives the most powerful voice to all the children who either lost their lives or became victims who lost their voices. She's a true living testament to the strength and power of the human spirit and a walking miracle. Carrie also recently started her YouTube channel, as I mentioned earlier. You can find that at Desert Dakini, and I will list that in the show notes, and I would love for you all to go subscribe to her channel. There she has started a catalog of helpful videos that dive deeper into her testimony while simultaneously educating us on things like trauma, DID, dissociation, and more. These are super helpful videos, whether you're a survivor, therapist, survivor advocate, or if you're just here to learn the hard truths of the world. Carrie has a beautiful way of shining a light on the darkness through her art, poetic and elegant breakdowns of complex subject matters, and the empathy and love she embodies to her core that positively impacts everyone who has the honor of listening to her. So please turn off whatever you're doing and give Carrie your full attention today. You're going to learn so much in this episode. Before I finish introducing our guest, I want to give a quick reminder that if you're a survivor or whistleblower and you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at imaginabetterworld2020 at gmail.com. You can also support my new Substack at www.emmacatherine.substack.com, where I'm taking up journaling as an outlet for me personally to reflect on the podcast guests and my advocacy work. All of my social media and donation links are in the show notes and your support across multiple platforms makes such a huge difference in what I'm able to accomplish, which reaching more people. And I appreciate you guys so much. So you guys, without further ado, please help me in welcoming this week's guest of honor, voice for the voiceless, podcast host, fierce mama bear, walking miracle, anti-child abuse advocate, artist, overcomer, and someone I'm so lucky and blessed to call a friend, the one, the only, Carrie Olahe. Carrie, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh my God. How can someone not blush after your intros, Emma? (laughs) It's really hard not to feel empowered hearing things put that way. Thank you. You're amazing. And everybody that, that watches, you know, your episodes have had such a huge impact on people. And I knew that they would because they did on me, but you really do just have this very unique way of, of helping people understand the, the things that are virtually impossible for most people to understand, you know, and I know that this takes so much energy and time for you. And I'm really grateful to have you back. And I know everybody listening is going to be really thankful to hear from you again. Thank you so much. It like, really makes it feel like it's worth it for sure. When I, you know, like the comments, like everything, you know, even, you know, my personal plug for your sub stack, you know, is like, like everything I've read on there has just been, you know, um, you know, phenomenal, uh, essentially, you know, and just really a great reminder of like, um, I don't know, like, like why we're doing this essentially, you know, like with you, you know, me, every, everyone, you know, who decides to be on your podcast, you know, or to even listen to it when they could be listening to something else, you know, like that's like a big chunk of time and that's like a big chunk of energy and like 
you know, really emotional energy because the things we're talking about are not like your day-to-day subjects, you know? So if you're not, you know, if you're a survivor, you're choosing to be triggered, you know? And if you're not a survivor, you're choosing to like, you know, go emotionally someplace that you don't have to go, but like is needed for everyone in the world to essentially go so that we can like stop, you know, this from like continuing to happen essentially. So yeah, yeah. So thank you for what <laughs> for what you're doing, you know, and and you know, and thanks to you know everyone out there who's like who's listening today, you know. Um, like the the response to the first couple episodes definitely definitely kept me, you know, um going, you know, and on the right track. You know, a lot of survivors, you know, will experience having some uh defensive like programs or conditioning, you know, that that kind of affects us when we're trying to disclose and everything. And I was very much in that boat. So I like to, the main reason I like to share it with everyone is just because like, it's very easy, especially when like, to be honest, like, like you like using um, my quote several times in several episodes, like when I wasn't necessarily feeling my best, you know, and when I was hearing it in context to these other people who, you know, I'm, so admiring you know what I mean like and like all these different survivors from all different walks of life and really is like what um you know it it helps to like you know when I'm in a different place you know helps to like keep the light like the lamp burning you know what I mean to be like like you know this freedom you know we had you know and it's like and sometimes it feels like a setback so I want to let people know is that like that happens and that's normal and like the most important thing is doing everything you can do to let just stay focused on like the positive things you know the light and everything like I said for me like I you know a thank you to Nathan Reynolds and Chelsea Reynolds you know because like you know just getting into you know I'll, I'll plug them to you know getting into linen getting into making my own bread and really taking my health into like priority was a huge part of it but you know like it really feels like when we can um like when we can stay focused on on the positive you know that on by these things that like your um you know essentially your abusers uh kind of put into you from an early age to kind of convince you that you would self-destruct if you ever decide to disclose or something like that that it's it's really understanding. And that's what a lot of my channel is about that all these like, you know, programs, parts are just conditioned, you know, little parts, you know, little parts of ourselves, little traumatized parts of ourselves that are kind of playing a role are kind of stuck playing a role and they don't realize that they can get out of it, you know? So anytime like we experience things like, you know, um, you know, like, a lot of, you know, it'll be a lot of like physical body pains or, you know, a lot of mental fog or like what the experience of having like um, almost like physical walls or veils up in like the system to like prevent communication between parts. You know, it's a lot of like things that sound crazy, you know, to a lot of people. And we'll have a lot more context if you watch the first couple episodes um, and everything. But it's all I'm saying is like, you know, like realistically two months to get, you know, from feeling like I had backtracked back to normal is like not much, you know, in the grand scheme of things. And in the past been several years, you know, because I've been working on the healing for, you know, five, 60 years now that and that's kind of why I want to 
encourage, you know, survivors and stuff like that is that sometimes things, you know, come up and we, because what it allows me to do, you know, is by staying focused on the positive and continuing to, you know, work on podcast episodes, even in <laughs> outline, if not quite, you know, getting to like the posting phase yet that, um, when you're going to come like staying focused on the positive, you're going to come out of it because essentially there's not a whole lot of power behind a lot of those things. Once you can realize that they're little parts and just really start communicating with them and talking to them that way. And that's a lot of like my channel and like a lot of journey with, um, you know, having the memory, you know, even surface and everything. It's typically with a lot of people, it's experience of a meeting, you know, as you get triggered, different layers of altars, essentially, different layers of trauma. It'll start usually with like some of the less stuff you know and the more varied things you know will come up a little bit later um which is to be honest a a defense mechanism for our brain you know and saying which is a roundabout way of saying you know is that like um i sometimes present a very polished (laughs) like you know that's part of the programming you know it's kind of without fail it's like the worse i get sometimes more normal i'll seem on the outside and least able less able to communicate where i'm at internally essentially but you know the part of me that allows you know for me to do this essentially to come on here and talk about this and everything sometimes like we can present you know to be more put together and everything and i don't want this you know not for to think that like you know that that I or, you know, sometimes anyone, you know, is really like further along, you know, than they think, you know, just because we're here and talking about it and everything that like, this is a lifelong process of healing, you know, we're dealing with developmental trauma, and there are going to be periods of time where like the level of stuff coming up does, you know, take all of our energy and everything. And, and that's, that's okay, you know, that I was just kind of, you know, like saying, you know, that, you know, if anyone's in the mode, you know, where they feel like they're just white knuckling it through life right now, because, you know, they're dealing with like, with so much internal mechanisms, you know, it feels like an internal self-sabotage and stuff like that, that tends to work against therapy, work against talking to people and connecting with people about this stuff that like, that really, you know, just staying focused on the positive, you know, staying focused on like, um, whatever grounds you spiritually, you know, is kind of like what you need to do and to know that all things are like temporary. And like, if you do that, you know, there's going to be a point at which this is going to let up, especially if you're going towards introspection and understanding where it comes from, you know, like you will have that connection that you're looking for, you know, all it takes is trying to ask the questions, you know, trying to kind of connect with those parts, you know, that seem intimidating or bullying and just finding out why they're doing what they're doing. And what happens on the other side of it is that you end up being much more integrated with your system, more connected with parts, you know, parts that were enemies become allies and everything. So just to say, you know, like, thank you for your podcast. 
thank you for the community because it's all things that like even when I go through tougher times you know feels like something that's very you know grounding and to me keeps me on the side of the positive you know because you are so loving compassionate in the way that you you know kind of champion and like you know present being you know a real warrior for like for the cause you know um it's it's the kind of thing that like that really breaks programming you know is to see not just that you know we're able to like <laughs> to talk to talk and, and you know speak like I said this is one of the things that works against them is the part you know that dedicating all of this stuff you know without crying every two seconds <laughs> you know you know and knowing that there's a lot of people watching you know like that that part was created by them you know essentially to be a performer and it's now now the part of me that like that we embrace and is now like part of like being being part of like the cause and bringing all the stuff that we went through and everything I used to call it like the tap dance because it's like it would a lot of times be triggered in front of narcissistic or psychopathic personalities you know was something that was very confusing to a lot of people <laughs> you know like that it would be come so pleasing around very dangerous people and everything you know and and but it's like that's us for a lot of our lives but once we get to the point as survivors where we're we've been able to communicate that part understand why they're doing it redirect that energy towards the positive side of things you know towards like about way you know that bringing back you know the, the quote that felt like you know higher power speaking through me you know was like you know that that's the 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 gratitude that I tend to feel you know not for what I went through but that I've been able to like really turn around so many things that like were strengths so you have such a powerful voice for survivors it's been really cool watching you like step into that role you know and like you said like giving that part of yourself something really positive to do and to function because you know that's something that a lot of survivors say is like well now that I'm not doing what I what I was trained to do and raised to do like what do I do out in the real world you know and it's really powerful to see survivors like you taking taking that control back and saying how can I re reverse engineer what that part was good at and have it be something that's a net positive for the world you know, instead of just being subjected to one role, like how can I evolve that role to to fit into the real world in a really positive way? You know, and, and I love that yeah. you stepped into that and you've had such a powerful voice for survivors and for people like me to learn, you know, this stuff is really hard to comprehend and having that really deep, vulnerable and like raw breakdown of what happens. It's so uh, valuable for, for people to just have that understanding, you know, and it touches people's hearts in a different way to see the art that you've created. And some of these ways that you break down the, these really complex things are so different than, you know, what people might be used to hearing too. So you're also catering to a different learning style of people that, you know, your way of explaining it is clicking with people, you know, in a different way. So I'm really proud of you. And like I said, everybody needs to go subscribe to your YouTube channel I'm going to have it in the show notes. It's awesome. She's really making some amazing videos Um, and she's doing it like she's a full-time worker, full-time mama. Like 
And she's still finding time to do all this, you guys. So the least we could do is go support the work that she's doing. It's amazing. So I'm really oh, proud of you. Yeah. It's like beautiful watching you blossom into this role. And I'm so excited to see what God does with you. Thank you, Emma. I mean, I couldn't have done it without you. You provided the space, you know, to to be able to, you know, to use my voice, you know, and the encouragement, you know, to to do my own thing. So it's like, you know, it's it's something, you know, I, you know, can't can't put a price on it, you know, when it comes to it comes to that, um, you know, to just living like a more a more full life, you know. Um, yeah. And, and that's like another. So essentially, I really think that's like that's one way that you know, it's things that, you know, strengths that like abusers used against me that I have, you know, I'm, I'm just glad, all I'm going to say is I'm glad to know that people find it informative, the way I've tried to explain the things that have helped me, you know, in understanding dissociation and understanding, you know, the problem, the, the programming, you know, conditioning and how, and the, you know, all the abuse and how like it affects, you know, the brain and creates like, the altars and everything like that and how to facilitate communication. Cause that I really think like all I've been doing is kind of like sharing what I've had to do communicating with my own parts essentially to, to come to this place in therapy and healing and everything. And like, uh, you know, connectedness, you know, like I had mentioned before, like it's like coming to a place of not really having, you know, very many gaps in life, you know, compared to where I was at several years ago, you know, when, you know, you just realize like how much there's a, a lot of times for survivors experience of amnesia, of amnesia, where like you have all these kind of like cover stories in your head that like are just kind of like almost like um like very like um flat fantasy one-sided ideas of like what what your life was you know and then on just a little investigation and most of the time we just like stay focused forward you know and it's just like you know one thing in life after another and we don't take time to like you know look at the the all the weirdness you know the fact that we don't remember so much we're just like oh just life was you know most survivors you know before you get your memories like you have a lot of ptsd symptoms you don't have any explanation for you know whether that's like phobias anxieties you know triggers um you know just in society or emotionally like emotionally you know smells sounds etc you know um scenarios that cause panic that don't make any sense to you you know um a lot of things essentially you go through before you understand what's going on. But usually, you know, like you, you kind of like, you know, have a lot of times in, especially DDNOS where you were dealing with like a lot of multiples, a lot of trauma and a lot of like, you know, conditioning by multiple abusers, you know, that knew about the, the developmental ages that they needed to do their traumas to create splits. You know, you get this layering effect, you know, where, um, there's, you know, amnesia of amnesia, essentially. So it's like, it wasn't until I started, you know, <laughs> really thinking about the fact that I, you know, couldn't remember things, you know, is like, it was like realizing how many gaps there were and that, you know, things like 
not remembering my dad at all, even though, you know, I grew up in the same house as him, <laughs> you know, like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't like an absentee father or anything like that. And I would just repeat the same thing to everyone about him that, uh, oh, he's an amazing teacher. He's taught me like everything I know. And he's, you know, very clever and just, you know, that was, and that he's a, Know, a hand therapist and that he was very good at that it's always the stuff that he cared about you know worked on volkswagens it was pretty much like you know maybe i have facts <laughs> about him and it was funny because i would just and i had noticed this too even before the memories were coming back that it's like his birthday cards i would repeat like the same phrase like two phrases over over there was no feeling or emotion you know behind it but it's like it just it was just like a blank and you do things, you know, when you have a system, you know, they're very obligatory. You go through missions a lot, <laughs> you know? So, you know, this is kind of like where I want to share some about just, you know, memory call and stuff like that, that, um, that, you know, for me, it was the kind of thing that it was, a lot of my life, I had uh, really been what you would call like a space cadet, <laughs> I guess. You know, I was always living in my own head and everything. So these are kind of like like early dissociative symptoms. You know, it was incredibly intelligent, you know, was like put in all the advanced everything, you uh, I was a very introverted child, lived in books, you know, and my drawings essentially in my head uh, pretty much entirely. Um, and I did, you know, loved nature. That was probably the only time I think that like, um, you know, I probably have most memories from actually is like my times, you know, like like snippets of times like in nature, probably because that's when, you know, I was probably felt the happiest or something, you know. So essentially, um that was why it was really interesting to see the breakdown in of the gate, you know, the recent episode that you did, uh, just because me personally, like, especially even early on in healing before I had even really had like the full memories of like what had gone on and like the gate field trips and stuff like that, essentially, you know, I always had, you know, the suspicions we were talking about the amnesia, you know, that it's like you don't have any memories of like, you know, of of anything basically in certain periods of your life, essentially, that like you look at photographs and just be like, be like, wow, like you hear other people talk about, you know, this this time and this year in school and that year in school, you know, and it's just like for you, it's just like a big blank. It's like, you know, if, except for what I've come to find, you know, is like the little flashes of memory I did have throughout my life that I had carried. Um, pretty much all of them were attached to trauma memories, essentially. So they were, there were weird things that had stuff with me, but I couldn't quite explain, you know, and sometimes I would ask my mom about them or something, but it's because I didn't even know why I was asking about them. <laughs> it's like, you know, it just kind of like, whatever, you know, and gate, the gate field trip, you know, when I was in first grade was, was one of those essentially to where, um, you know, we went to Corpus Christi for an overnight trip as, you know, a bus full of first graders, <laughs> like, um, and I was living in San Antonio, Texas at the time, you know, so it was essentially you know a, a, a um 
you know, it was a trip out of town, you know, with like, like where parents, you know, essentially just signed over their kids, you know, at that young age to just go with teachers to this aquarium to like spend the night. And it's something special because like, you know, these kids are so mature and so advanced and everything like that, you know, and the parents feel like it's so like special, you know, and my dad knew exactly what was going on because I, you know, like I had mentioned in the first couple episodes, you know, like he essentially, I think, had sold me pre-birth, you know, that like, you know, he knew if he had a kid that he was going to be molesting that kid and that that kid, because of the, you know, the people he was involved with, the, you know, the stuff pornography that he was like a connoisseur of, you know, like that he was going to be like sending that, you know, child essentially along, you know, to, to benefit him, you know, essentially in ways that, um, you know, I don't don't know the details, you know, I don't know if it was like monetary or if it was just because it for him, it was always the power fetish. Like he just wanted to constantly be rubbing uh, shoulders, you know, with people that were like more powerful, you know, and seen as having more status as him, you know, essentially. So, um, but uh, I digress. <laughs> so when it comes to. Um, when it comes to like the the memory recall you know it's like you know as a child you know very intelligent very spacey and everything and it was it was really funny because um you know i had a noticeable switch like when i left the house and went to college essentially like and i had always just kind of like chalked it up to like a lot of people like it's just you know you just um, you just get older, your priorities change and everything like that, you know, but it was like a total like 180, <laughs> you know, like, because I was, uh, my whole life up until teen, you know, I was, I, I was very, um, introverted, you know, um, there was a lot of things that I think, um, uh, were just normal, like, you know, PTSD symptoms from sexual abuse, you know, body image issues, stuff like that, you know, um, but just like, you know, like the overall persona, you know, that I could remember, you know, was just someone that was just very passive, very shy, you know, living in books and everything. And then when I turned 18 and moved out of the house, you know, like a lot of people who have been trafficked, you know, we kind of like don't have our handler around as much. We don't have our abuser around. So we kind of become our own abuser. <laughs> we kind of like internalize, you know, that abuser's, you know, voice and role and everything. And I was to being accessed by, um, you know, who I refer to as Smeagol, you know, the main handler that I had been essentially, um, most of my programming had been catered to, you know, listening to people like, uh, uh, like Nathan Reynolds, you know, and, uh, gray and stuff like that, like, you know, is so helpful because there's so many things that overlap with me that I haven't heard from other survivors before, but it's also given me a lot of indication of like where, I don't know how to describe it. It's like I was a lot of my training, you know, was for show, I guess, you know, for like a lot of the stuff that I did, you know, was a lot of times like him showing me off to other people. You know, it was uh, always part of like the sex trafficking part of like essentially him and like the people he trafficked me to essentially, you know, which was, you know, a lot of times for things that were a lot more violent, you know, which we're going to get into later. So um, I might do like 
you know, another like little like trigger warning to let people know what we'll be talking about, like once we're done with like kind of mentioning the memory recall stuff. Um, But essentially, you know, college came around, turned uh, into the front personality shell that had been created to do this kind of sex trafficking after I had left the house, because that's when I was still being picked up by um, Smeagol for being used in ritual abuse, essentially, and then as as his personal, um, you know, sex slave as well, essentially, where he would just pick me up to, like, abuse me or share me with, like, um, his friends, essentially, you know, um, but uh um in any case you know like went went full hog you know like with uh being the party girl you know like it's you know the academics were out 100 percent out the window i'm lucky enough to like be able to pull things together like always at the last minute have like a lot of you know this is this is another way they train they train in us you know the ability to just like not fucking quit you know what i mean and if they train you know me to essentially always be you know high achieving and like you know this like trick pony essentially that's what i was saying is i feel like more as like i was more of a show dog you know than a wolf despite the training you know (laughs) but still it's like they they create you know this you know which to a degree has worked against me but on another level it's like you know allowed me to you know persevere and do a lot of things like you know be you know blacked out either drinking or in dissociative states you know like three four nights a week during this time period you know in in college you know and still being able to pull out, you know, being graduating summa cum laude, you know, eventually, because it's like, it's like, I was always able to perform, you know, because they trained me to always be able to perform, no matter the circumstance, you know, so it's ways that, you know, we are benefited, you know, and my ability to break things down for myself, my parts has led to my healing and to my ability to communicate it for other people it seems like in a way that's helpful you know after experiencing some internet difficulty and um i um, i'm going to use it as an opportunity for for us to maybe like switch gears a little bit because i was starting to go kind of into a little bit of memory recall stuff and um i would love to know if people would find that you know helpful for like them and like their their own journey but I was also realizing it was going to take a lot of time to get to. And I would love to um, essentially talk about some things that I've been a little bit more, uh, well, a little bit more fired up about, you know, um, essentially. And um, people can, you know, look to this channel, you know, or my channel, you know, for more content about like my personal story of like, you know, coming to the different memories and everything, like different life event triggers and stuff like that. Um But uh, I guess like people know me on this podcast is getting a little bit more raw and real. (laughs) Like, and like, I I had to be honest from the beginning that it's like, it would be hard for me to talk about things if I didn't feel like I was like, kind of communicating the full, or at least trying to communicate, you know, the full intensity of like the stuff that like, I've um, been through and witnessed essentially just because, you know, this is something that's still going on today, you know, probably to an even worse degree. And that's why I know, you know, you created this podcast. That's why I'm, you know, why I'm here and decided to speak out and everything is because of the victims I saw, the victims that 
I haven't seen that I just know exist in everything and just not wanting there to be future ones, essentially. Um, so uh, some of the stuff I kind of wanted to get into was the um, more uh, child pornography side of things, the blackmail side of things, like you had mentioned, and the uh, um, the animal alter programming, which is kind of all intertwined essentially with this these topics, you know, at least for me and like my personal story. Um, and the reason I kind of wanted to talk about this stuff is because I know it's the kinds of things that um, a lot of people have very, have a ton of difficulty, you know, visualizing essentially. And it's the kinds of things that no one really wants to visualize, you know, including survivors, which is why it's really easy to get just like, you know, kind of like, lulled into like you know the um you know the merits i guess of of denial and stuff and just pretending like this stuff didn't exist you know that's like that's a very common urge for a lot of people like i always like have seen you know dissociation itself as like as systemized denial essentially um but what I kind of wanted to talk to you today, you know, was essentially like the reality of like snuff pornography and um, just kind of share that it's kind of like an industry unlike or like every other like black market industry. And you're going to have like facilities, you know, that are are um, made, you know, for this to happen. A lot of times, you know, I had mentioned in other episodes that rituals sometimes were not just for the purpose of like people watching, but sometimes they were just performed, you know, for uh, cameras, essentially for people that had those specific fetishes and everything. And I was like initially introduced to everything with a uh, my dad uh, just showing me, you know, the pornography, um, but later was used in a, a lot of that as well. Um, so uh, that's like one thing that I was really grateful to early on in my healing was uh, Katie Gross or Dylan Gross, um, um, the preferred uh, name uh, now, and I hope they're okay. Um but I've uh, been sending prayers that way. Um, but one thing they had mentioned validated like what I had memories of, you know, was what she had called Uncle Sam's snuff factory, essentially. And that um, really, <laughs> really hit home for me, you know, just because it's um, I don't know if it's the same location, you know, but at least the same style of place that she described is very much my own experience, too. Um, and that is, you know, uh, what I've kind of described as like a um, Cold War bunker, essentially, um, where what you're going to have is rooms for catering um, in the top levels and rooms for um, like essentially the where like the diplomats or something would be staying, you know, so it, they look very posh, you know, with like, you know, nice wallpaper, you know, like nice carpets and stuff. And this would be essentially just um, 
just a few levels below ground level, at least from the location that that I was had gone to a couple of times, you know. Um, and when I say I went there a couple of times, you know, it was both for training purposes, like I had mentioned, it was, you know, kind of like a appeared like to be like an underground storage facility in, in parts of it, you know, or like a abandoned jail, essentially, you know, like just there were certain areas, you know, that weren't like the posh areas that were meant for like for the people that had commissioned the bunker to be living in, essentially, you know, there were areas that were just, you know, completely utilitarian, you know, that I think are very similar to like a lot of like, you know, tunnel type complexes that other survivors have described, you know, with just like, you know, for me, just you know, endless lanes, you know, doors going off of them, you know, and a lot of rooms that were essentially just like concrete boxes with like specific, you know, um, roles, you know, in programming, you know, so you might have one that has uh, um, like a viewing, like a big viewing screen to like overwhelm like the victim with something like a chair to be strapped to essentially and all the, you know, the, um, <sighs> fucking Kubrick film clockwork orange style you know like an inability essentially to like to not like to block out the stimulus you know that you're that you're getting you know or things that a lot of times you know like I'd mentioned like the core programming stuff you know are just you know like an abandoned like jail cell like where they just like keep a corpse to terrorize kids with essentially you know um like you were gonna have a lot of these, a lot of these things, but most of the blackmail and everything like was taking place in the more, you know, posh kind of areas because the blackmail was like happening at least the times that I remember with, um, you know, people that were always, you know, told to us, you know, like the, the slaves, the kids that were being abused, that they were, you know, important you know, or um, would also, you know, and they would very specifically call out certain altars, you know, to, you know, have a lot of respect, you know, and treat them essentially that way and everything. But essentially it was kind of catering, you know, uh, a facility that would, that would, you know, cater to, you know, psychopaths essentially where there were different rooms that were, you know, very luxurious, but also set up to, um you know, to, uh, for like, you know, orgies and sex parties, you know, or for, um, it's going to say, uh, for, uh, you know, BDSM style, like torture and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that's kind of like one of the main memories I kind of wanted to like focus on today is just, um, of like a specific room, you know, which unfortunately I don't have photographs of today. Um, the one thing I would, the photo I would like to show um, is, do you have the photograph of like me with the other girl who I like blocked out her eyes? Yep, I'll bring that up right now. Here we go. All right. So we're going to do a quick aside from the bunker so feel free to pull me back to the bunker <laughs> if you if you need to you know um but the main reason I wanted to show this photo is because this is like you know around the age that like a lot of the programming was 
going on that I had talked about, you know, this is after the core programming, essentially, like the other photos that I had sent you were closer to that was when in Virginia. So when I was living in Washington, D.C., that was right before I moved to um, uh, actually, if you don't mind just showing those real quick, <laughs> so I'm talking about them. Um, there's there's one uh you can go ahead and show the one with my dad uh because uh this one yes i i don't mind i it's actually the photo that i shared on my facebook when i came out about the incest like five or six years ago to everyone because i have a really large family and i want to make sure that the information got out the way it needed to be without being a um without being like changed, you know, by the narcissistic family members that would want to like, you know, kind of like protect the abusers essentially, but just to help people like visualize, you know, that, you know, this is when I was, you know, three, essentially like um, the year before we moved to Texas that the core memory I shared in the second episode had happened where I was like, you know, and we're going to be going back into the kennel kind of stuff because that's the whole point of the core memory or a core splitting event for any person who's uh, programmed multiple is that, you know, there's going to be, you know, trauma upon trauma, you know, layered on this kid to like overwhelm them, but then also to know that they're dissociative and that they can survive that kind of stuff. Um, But a reason I wanted to show it is just so that people like can have an idea of like, the size difference, you know, like that for me is part of why I used it as like the photo when I shared on Facebook, you know, years ago about the incest, you know, it's just because, you know, that for me is like, when I feel, you know, sadness and rage, you know, to know that that's the kind of thing that, you know, one human being, you know, who I don't really think counts as a human being, you know, can do to their own child, essentially, you know, and that, essentially you know it was the following year you know so well it was only that much bigger that you know that I was essentially raped the first time by him so you can go ahead and pull that down and switch to the other one if you don't mind and also too I want to point out like he looks like he's not somebody that you would look at on the street and think oh that guy's you know an abuser like he's somebody that that creeps me out like he looks very normal in this photo, you know, he's dressed very yeah. normal. He looks like a normal person. And that's, what's tough about this is these are, these aren't the people that the movies tell us that they are, you know, these are like very mm-hmm. resourceful, a lot of times, very rich, not always, but you know what I mean? Like very prominent people. And people society. see this a clever, charming, high achieving guy. Yes. And he looks like a normal person. And, you know, what he was doing behind the scenes is just horrific. We'll go back. Oh, to yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. And letting letting other people do behind the scenes to his to his daughter as well, you know. Um, and, and I think that's the main reason I try and like, you know, really speak out to, you know, psychopathy as being one of my main things, not just talking about dissociation so that people can understand that because, yeah, people especially outsiders like who don't experience it, they need to understand dissociation, I think, to really conceptualize it. You know, like you said, it's like, it's very hard to like really 
conceptualize this kind of stuff until you've had the experience. And even a survivor early in healing, a lot of times has difficulty really seeing their system for what it is, you know, because it's meant to be hidden, you know, from us essentially. So having the insight on how things are work, you know, with the association and everything, I think is just huge for me to like understand what's going on and grounding and communication, you know, but from the other side of it, psychopathy, you know, you're looking at peoples who act like complete demons who are essentially, you know, some people consider, you know, that they do have demonic entities attached to them once they do lose this connection to their empathy, you know, to compassion, which is, you know, the foundation of you know, any faith of God, you know, is, is compassion, you know, no matter what religion you're looking at, you know, it's all about, you know, compassion and connection and oneness and everything. And these people, you know, like psychopaths, most people, unless you've been abused by them, you know, you don't have the, um, context to understand what they're capable of to understand their motivations you know because they're all the complete opposite you know it's so hard to imagine something that's the complete opposite of everything everyone else is it's not love it's not family it's not you know you know the job the wealth isn't isn't for them to provide for their family it's to provide you know for their addictions you know whatever they're covered for, you know of a good life so that they can pursue their addictions you know what i mean it's the kind of thing that it's the kind of thing that um that really just ends up um you know being hard for people to visualize you know because it's so different from their experience and that's why i try and focus a lot and i will in future episodes of you know my podcast on um on the psychopathy and everything because the kind of person that can abuse a child that you're seeing in front of you you know their own child is going to have zero issue letting another person abuse their child if they're going to get something from it you know yeah they'll act all pissed off you know if it's gonna if if someone's taking advantage of their kid and they ain't getting anything (laughs) but you know, they have a price for sure, you know, with that kind of stuff. And like I said, with my dad, I don't know whether it was money, whether it was just access to more children and snuff pornography, because he definitely got that, you know, that allowed him at me access, you know, him allowing others to access me, but he knew exactly what I was going on. And, you know, a lot of these memories, I was either dropped off at, you know, these more intense like training sessions you know or uh blackmail or you know those kind of things like you know he he dropped me off there you know at those locations knowing exactly what was going to happen you know and when we get into the kennel stuff a little bit later you know the what you see you know here like this is you know who I refer to as, as Susie essentially you know like so this is the daughter of the beta trainer I refer to as Shmuel you know like you can see you know she's I mentioned she's a couple years older than me she's uh essentially um I was gonna say she's uh uh I mean you just look at the difference of poses you know essentially too like like the girl like had essentially been trained to be a porn to be a porn star you know and to not just you know be abused by adults and everything but had been trained to 
perform, you know, on camera to abuse, you know, me and other kids and stuff and to essentially by role modeling the behavior they wanted, you know, train me to be the kind of person that would then perform the blackmail uh, kind of acts that I'm about to discuss. So this here, you know, is is me, um, you know, I think probably like about like five or so. So it's a little before, you know, it's after the core memory has happened, you know, I'm a little, little scared looking there, you know, when you read into body language and stuff, you know, it's like, you know, it's like still my hands like clenched over my genitals, you know what I mean? And just like this, like, you know, look of like fear on my face, basically. So I'm assuming because of the pose, you know, that it was probably like my dad or that um, her, her dad, you know, who was, um, like I said, a family friend, you know, everyone knew was he was just like, you know, another guy who worked in the hospital, you know, was like good on in his military career and all that stuff. You know what I mean? And um, behind closed things. Um, so if, if you want, you can go ahead and pull those um, pull those down. You want me to show the middle one, the one of just you? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, if you want to. That's just that's just me happy uh at a I was gonna say like I said we were in Virginia and everything so it was on the same trip the other photograph um was was from there uh but yeah <laughs> but it's, it's the, I know it's it's yeah it's it's really healing and awesome you know to connect with like your younger parts you know for for anything survivor for sure because it reminds me of why I'm doing this you know it's because it's like you know the kid I was is the kid that someone is right now you know and it's like you know how can you not want to protect that you know cute little baby you know and it's like you know there's you know like you know <laughs> I picked up a peregrine little falcon Cooper's no Chester's hawk you know uh falcon on the side of the road earlier you know and got it to the right rescue home you know because it's like I can't I just can't you know at this point, you know, when I know I can do something, I can't not do something, you know, when there's something like, you know, especially like something like young, like in need and everything. So that's why we go into these dark areas, you know, because I, I feel like I need to express, you know, the the true like gravity of like the evil, like a lot of um, survivors do that come on here is like they they're you know, they tell their story as like a wake up call to people to be like, you know, this is what we're dealing with. If you think about this for two seconds, it sucks. But if you think about it being your kid or you as a kid or something, you know, it's 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 shitty on a whole nother level, you know, and it's hard not to get angry and motivated, you know, to just, you know, to just fucking, you know, have some courage and say enough. <laughs> like, so. um, So, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to mind pulling that down whenever you get a chance um i just want to say that this little girl uh -uh. is so proud of who you are today carrie like she's smiling at you right now gosh she couldn't have even believed it like for real like it's it's the kind of thing where you know i i try and focus on gratitude a lot you know and that's one thing that just you know for for the little parts you know that that see that I, you know, bring into the present, you know, like, you know, time after time, you know, like we 
deal with the emotions, deal with the memories, you know, and bring that part into the present, you know, to a place of like peace and rest and everything. And, you know, like, it's true, like the life that like we have now, they look at and they're just like, just like, whoa, like this would have been like our dream. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like living in the country, like in nature and everything, like having our own like gallery and tattoo studio, you know, like being able to do big mural projects, you know, for the city, like it's the kind of thing that like, you know, just ends up, you know, feeling, you know, very, uh, you know, very fulfilling, you know, to know that like that we come so far essentially, you know, and that, you know, for the parts that we'll talk about later, the animal altars, you know, that we're already free, you know, essentially that, that um, when we enact a lot of times, like I'd mentioned early on, defensive program or self-sabotaging is this thought, you know, that we still have to be loyal to whatever, you know, our abusers, our masters that we saw them as, you know, like wanted us to do or be or whatever, you know, and a lot of coming into the present and why it's so freeing is realizing that like, you know, you, they never had like like they felt like they had a lot of power over us because we were kids but now you know it's like they don't have that power over us you know and that you know freedom is really a state of mind you know it doesn't have anything to do with your physical circumstances it has to do with like where you're at in you know in feeling gratitude and empowered in your life to be you know moving in the right direction you know so um so yeah <laughs> so um you know back to the back to the dark shit I guess <laughs> unless you you have anything to take a drink <laughs> nope you're good girl you just take it away from here thank you so much for sharing those really sweet photos too you know and and just showing us the reality like I said it's society thinks one way that oh uh, a human trafficker or an abuser or somebody who watches child porn like they look a certain way, they're going to look like a crackhead, or they're going to look, you know, tattered or homeless, and they're going to seem crazy. And it's like, nothing about that photo, like your, your dad looked completely normal. And that's what's the most terrifying, yeah. you know, so thank you for and sharing that, honest, and like bringing the reality to it. Of course, you know, I mean, it's, it's what helps me, you know, and it's what I want it, what I hope helps other people to really like understand like what we're talking about here. And, you know, and for me too, like you were saying with the abuser not being super noticeable, it's like that, that image of me and her, unless I pointed out, you know, the kind of like weird quirks, you know, about our like body language, you, you wouldn't think twice about it. You know what I mean? Like those don't look like child porn stars. (laughs) like like really you know what I mean like would not anyone look at that photo and think that like no maybe a fucking psychopath you know what I mean but like not a normal person you know like wouldn't look at that and be like you know it's like I think they visualize that the kid would be you know like when I was, you know, starting out in AA, they were saying, you know, everyone visualized an alcoholic, like a bum on the side of the road with like a a brown bag in their hand, but they're not, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're, you know, librarians, they're soccer moms, you know, (laughs) it's like anyone that has trauma that they're they're trying to drown out, you know, with addiction, essentially, you know, is going to have, you're going to get them from all walks of life, you know, and and that's kind of like what we're saying is this is a very hidden thing, you know, it's not, and because people like the, the abusers tell us people won't believe us if we disclose because, most people wouldn't believe this kind of shit you know what I mean like me saying that kind of stuff you know to anyone it's like it's so far outside their reality to think of you know like like you know I'm sorry if it's shocking or triggering but child porn star you know what I mean someone that's like used in a lot of like you know films you know which I would 
more consider, you know, her than me, just because it, she was both used in films just to produce films, but because she was used in training so much with um, other kids, you know, it's like, I don't think I was exclusive to that. It's like that essentially, you know, it's like, you know, it's what I would consider, you know, a, a celebrity in the fucking industry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because she would have appeared in a lot of fucking content. You know what I mean? And I think it like we might have found who she is, but I don't know. But I think she's like, you know, like a lot of people, like it's like you, you know, you kind of get lost in your sex worker you know, part essentially is feeling empowered, you know, and you just end up in, you know, like the sex trade, which if it's something that makes you feel like empowered and great, you know, like when I was in, you know, like crazy mode, it's like, you could not have told me otherwise, you know, cause I felt like I was doing what I needed to do to feel like I was empowered and stuff. But it's like, you know, like we, we internalize all this stuff and it's not obvious on the outside, <laughs> you know, people are just like, Oh, that person's just crazy, you know, or that person or those kids are so normal or so gifted or so they couldn't be abused. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's like, you know, but these are all like things that the abusers like aren't fucking stupid. They know, know that if they have kids that are running around like humping everything and hypersexual or running around, you know, like, like fucking baggy eyed and shit like that. Like there are throws, away kids that you know they don't give a fuck about programming and the silent stuff but for the rest of us you know they make sure that you know every step of the way they're testing you to make sure that you don't have that you know think you know that bleed through of other you know parts into the everyday you know that's going to get them fucking caught you know that's the whole point of all this torture that they put us through is not to get caught um so around that age you know is like when um, I was essentially the, in being, uh, as part of like the training, uh, I had mentioned before with anyone that's supposed to be violent, uh, it ends up having to be fueled from a lot of rage that, that part essentially. So they, a lot of sexual abuse is typically perpetrated on someone that, you know, um, that they know that they're going to want to try and create to be like an abuser type personality, essentially, you're going to have to have a lot of rage and fear and everything in that child to be able to essentially like release it, like channel it into something, you know, very destructive, essentially. And um, what ends up happening, you know, uh, for me, you know, is that I had the experience of like this blackmail incident I'm going to go into. I had the experience of being tortured myself as like a, I don't know, as a, I don't want to, want to use like subject, <laughs> like, I don't know, as a um, a kid getting abused, you know, in an in a adult film, you know, a fucking child pornography that essentially it was like it was a place in the bunker that was it was used to entertain, but it was also part of why it was used to entertain is that it had like a false wall in it essentially so um that had uh what i would describe as like almost like little uh little bays little um I'm having trouble with this uh with this <laughs> right now little like arched essentially like little cavities you know probably about like yay wide essentially um and like uh, essentially little gurneys attached to them and like manacles on the outside. So essentially on one side of the room, I'd hope to, to do like 
an illustration of this one, but like it's just not one of the things I've gotten to I've gotten to journaling yet because it's a pretty complex image, you know. But essentially you have like, you know, one side which is a room for entertaining for like cocktail parties, couches, lounge kind of vibe, you know, like gold shag carpet, which I think dated the place, you know, <laughs> like red velvet couches, like all this stuff. And essentially you had um behind one of the couches a wall that had uh, four different uh openings in the wall that led to so it was a wall but that led to another room so that other room contained uh um cameras essentially that they could then use to film like what was going on in the room um but there was also a lot of false walls in this kind of place where that was the case and I had the experience of being tortured several times like in that place because um, those those bays would essentially have beds attached to them where the person, you know, would like the it would be person, child, animal sometimes, you know, would have, you know, their genitals on exposed side of the wall along with their legs and like shackles to like hold them there, you know, and the rest of the person, you know, or animal or child, you know, most of the time child in my experience, you know, is like in, you know, this very unfinished, you know, room. It's essentially just white, you know, it's the, it's the area where the cameras are at and stuff like that. But it's also where, um, you know, kind of medical looking because it's, it's also where like the torture kind of goes on because that's what this whole like bunker blackmail room is geared towards is essentially, you know, psychopaths that are into, pain you know and that like that it was my experience of several times being on the receiving end you know of being in one of those bays in a place in a in a position of you know supreme powerlessness you know and inability to like do anything and then you're going to have the um you know which is part of what they enjoy you know the additional fear of the unknown essentially because you don't like it's almost like you're you're split in half, you know, you're in two different worlds, essentially, you know, and, um, you know, so it was definitely like the experience of essentially being, you know, myself, like sexually, like, you know, tortured, you know, with like, you know, a lot of times it's like it's needles, you know, or like or uh, or like prods or stuff like that, you know. Um, but in any case, uh and then, you know, like lots and lots of like, you know, kind of spanking and that kind of shit, you know, on like the unlike the other end of shit. It's very kind of a BDSM kind of geared, you know, kind of look to the room and stuff like that and what it caters towards. Um, but essentially, like for like being tortured there, you know, and essentially like the worst thing was a lot of times like that they you know, like I had mentioned before, like a lot of my programming was to, you know, was to witness things, you know, and then be threatened myself, you know, that I would be going through those same things if I weren't to essentially obey and stuff like that with whatever they had wanted me to do or be, you know, that particular part, you know, that was, you know, um, like the particular part they were training, you know, with all this was like, you know, a sadomasochistic part, you know, that you're training in like a five or six year old, essentially, you know, like a part that, you know, and at the beginning, you know, of the training is on the receiving end of things, you know, and trying to like learn to like, you know, 
anger, but also to to dissociate pain, you know, or different things like that, you know, or to find it pleasurable even, you know, and they have like, you know, obviously sex toys and different stuff like that to facilitate that kind of shit, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, I was going to say like also, you know, to see other kids that were essentially getting it worse, you know, than what I was, you know, and, and that for me, you know, the, you know, the worst thing, you know, really was that like, there was like on the end, you know, the last bay was what I could only describe as like a brick, like pizza oven or something, you know, and that was like, you know, made for like, you know, burn torture, you know, like, and, and like, and just like burning kids and shit like that. So for me, like, it's, you know, and, and like I said, it's, 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 my heart goes out to the animals too. Like, cause it's like, I saw like, you know, like dogs or like, um, I going to say like goats, like used in like this capacity, like as well in this like same area. Cause I guess it's size wise, it would have made sense, you know, and everything, like when I think back on it, you know, but regardless, you know, like later on, you know, when it was the blackmail capacity, when it wasn't the training capacity of things, you know, it was essentially the part that they had trained to be like, um, like Susie there in the other photo, you know, at that point, you know, had been, you know, tortured and threatened so much myself on like the receiving ends of things and had wires crossed on like those kinds of stuff when it came to pleasure and pain and stuff and even love and um, because they do so much um you know, just emotional stuff too, just like with like with uh, encouragement about all the wrong things, you know what I mean? And giving you so much like praise about, you know, the only time you get praises for like the worst shit, you know what I mean? And for that altar, like, and that's the thing I like to reiterate to people is like the altar that's getting tortured, the part of you that's like, you know, split off to preserve the rest of your brain that's getting tortured in that bunker, you know, doesn't realize that, you know, the next morning that they're going to be a kid in a normal bed, you know, and have like breakfast and stuff like that with like, you know, their piece of shit dad while their mom's like away, you know, they'll be sad their mom's gone, you know what I mean? Like, and like, there's, you know, there's drugging or different things, I think, you know, or even the dissociation they do for like pain. But a lot of the torture for me was things that wouldn't leave a whole lot of, you know, physical damage and stuff like that was, like I said, for, you know, usually kids that were seen as more like throwaway kind of stuff, you know, that, that they got a lot more of that in the snuff kind of industry. Um, so it's like, you know, that part doesn't realize that there is like a normal world to go back to, you know, for that part. It's like, this is your whole world. Your whole world is your, is the bunker and you better fucking behave, <laughs> you know, otherwise you can end up in a much worse position, you know? And that's like where, you know, where I was at when, you know, dealing with some blackmail stuff. It's like remembering you know, um, he jokingly called him Chairman Mao. He wasn't Chairman Mao, but it was just like his like inside joke when he was referring to him. But my um, main, you know, um, I don't even know what to call him, like my main handler, basically, you know, uh, Schmeagel, he, you know, he was really very high up in the military, you know, was like um, Sergeant Major and stuff. So um, he ended up like he was like entertaining, you know, a, uh, a Chinese and a Russian guy who I don't, you know, remember names of essentially, but, um, uh, there was a lot of things I didn't 
Hey, I don't, I don't think I had a photograph, have ever had a photographic memory. And I, there's a lot of things I didn't really pay attention to when, cause I was, a lot of my parts were very like hyper-focused on stuff, which I know is a very programmed thing with me is that like, you know, when we had tasks, like that was our whole world, you know, and the periphery a lot of time got, um, got essentially filtered out essentially. Um, but, uh, regardless you know it was him and a couple like fairly important foreign diplomats and essentially me being like a a six seven year old you know that was um dressed in I think it was seven at this point it was right before we moved um but you know being dressed in essentially you know like black corset you know and like all the you know, thigh highs, all that bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's almost like, a like I said before, for the ritual, it's almost like a comical image, you know, but that was a lot of like his particular shit is, you know, sometimes people want the, the kids to appear insanely like innocent and baby dollish and stuff like that, you know, and there were abusers that were like that. But a lot of times, you know, like my main handler, he he got off on the idea of me being something dangerous, something, you know, something older, you know, or more like him, I think, you know, than, than I was, you know? Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really like absurd, you know, and fucked up, but essentially it's like for a blackmail incident, it would be myself, you know, if you would have seen, you know, that film, it would have been myself with the writing crop, essentially, you know, torturing the kid in the bays there and then you know serving them drinks you know just like you know being sexually abused by them obviously and that kind of stuff you know and it just being more stuff that's you know for him was just like a show of power a show of showing stuff off and then the ulterior motive too of also having a lot of like crazy shit on film you know um but um the main reason I like to, you know, I wanted to kind of bring that up today, you know, is just understanding like what kind of goes into training someone like a kid that you could see that could do that, you know, and how like this was, I don't know how to describe it. Like, you know, I had mentioned early on the snuff factory thing, like it's, you know, it hit home so much, you know, when Katie Groves had mentioned that to me, because that's the 100% the feel that I had from the core split memory, you know, looking back on it, that it was like, it was, you know, me and a few other kids. And how often did they do that? You know, like how often did they kill, you know, kids just to traumatize some other ones that they had had ulterior plans for, you know, because they had jobs for them and they needed to be silent and have dissociative splits. It's really, it's really insanely sad, you know, and that's the thing with the bunker too, is just knowing, you know, the factory aspect, knowing that I was on one side of it and then on the other side of it and just knowing like, you know, the kids that I was probably, you know, like torturing for the sexual gratification of these diplomats, you know, that like that they were going to be in my position at a future time, most likely where they were on my side, where had they were having to abuse other kids, you know, and just really understanding what a toxic and disgusting cycle it is and how it can even, you know, happen, you know, is with this, because you're dealing with psychopaths of like, you know, ever since the Nazis really like systematized this abuse to this degree to where, you know, I, I really 
you know, I really don't feel like my situation, as crazy it is for a lot of people, was unique. I feel like there's been so many people I witnessed that went through the same thing and went through, you know, so it's it's just mind boggling to me to be like, this happened, you know, I'm 35 now. <laughs> How long ago did this happen? You know, it's like almost 30 years, almost three decades ago this happened. And I, you know, I'm assuming the shag carpet isn't there anymore. I'm assuming they had a decorator come in, but I bet you not much else has changed. You know, no one's spoken found the bunker in, you know, in Texas with, you know, like, but maybe, maybe they have, you know, we're just waiting for someone to do something about it. You know, I'm, I'm visualizing praying every day, you know, that, you know, and I know, to be honest, like, you know, to be honest, we've, we've already won. It's just a matter, it's just a matter of time, you know, till, you know, till the light wins out, you know, and kind of corrects this like imbalance we've gotten to, you know, so and I'm seeing it happen, I think, you know, like, I think it's going to happen, you know, like, even with my own healing sooner, you know, it's like, if you, you really have faith, you know, focus on the positive, it happens sooner versus later, you know. Um, so, uh, I mean, with that kind of piggybacking on it, I was going to go a little bit into the kennel training, I guess, you know, before we go, if you're still awake and, you know, and with me and everything um, like that, just because it kind of follows yeah. on, you know. The, the same kind of um, activities, you know, from this, this organized crime group, you know, is all I could describe them as. I'm here for as long as you need, girl. Do you want me to bring up the 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 first photo that you sent? Sure. Which one is that? Is it the mo- one that's mostly black? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to have you hold off on it. Okay. Um, just because I, I tend to find my, that's when I, why I have you pull them down a lot of times. I tend to find my own images kind of triggering sometimes. It's a little, <laughs> it's a little hard to stay focused, although I do find them, I feel like that they are helpful to show essentially, you know, so, um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. So if you don't mind, well, I was going to give a little bit of like context first before like we, we go into that, um, essentially, but, um, so this would be like essentially like what I had talked to people before about is that there was, you know, there there was a ritual um in Washington, DC that was kind of like it was a kind of a ritual, I think, to celebrate, you know, uh Smeagol to a degree, because he seemed to have play a pretty important, a fairly important role, you know, in it. Um, but uh a lot of like this was like that was like the culmin- culmination, you know, essentially of like some training that I had gone through with him. Um, and that involved like a lot of preparatory work, essentially. So that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up again. Like it's kind of like the blackmail memory is that like um, that these. I don't know how to describe it, you know, that the that it's very systematized the order they create altars in if you're dealing with like with like mind control type stuff so they know a lot of times like how to essentially like prepare the brain at like an earlier age with like a certain altar that they can like then put in you know for future updates to programming and everything and so i had mentioned before you know in this uh uh i had been to this a um it was a like a a rural kind of like vet facility basically that had like long term boarding and everything, um, and that that's where uh, where I'd had some 
programming around you know killing a kitten in and stuff and like creating the like some initial alters that were willing to you know to be violent essentially to to survive you know because we'd been threatened to you know be torn apart by dogs which at that point was very real a very real threat for us because you know it was one thing that we had witnessed in like the the core programming event you know was was that happening to a little girl so it was always very easy to like pull out a trauma part and trigger that you know by bringing that stuff up or by you know actually doing that you know to usually an animal they had had a lot ready supply of like kittens and stuff like that there you know that would kind of like call out you know that kind of alter you know and created enough trauma to where I then was able you know myself to have an alter that would come out you know and kill a kitten just to not be you know torn apart torn apart by dogs but a lot of like the training you know there was based in play essentially like it starts off with you you know kids love pretending to be like dogs and running around with dogs you know it's it's just it's just kind of natural you know it's part of pretend and everything like that so I definitely had the experience of being there a lot initially with Susie and her father um Shmuel essentially and my father uh with training events where we were you know essentially being allowed to just pretend we were dogs and play with the dogs and there was this big um showing of essentially you know you as they describe you know you can train dogs with other dogs you know like an older dog will role model the behavior that they want from the younger one and that's always what was kind of implied and what they said you know they were doing you know is that you know that she had a specific dog name you know for her dog altar and that I was allowed to choose a dog name for my dog altar but and she had you know but it's a game at first you know and she had you know like this like pretty pink collar and I got this brown one and I was really upset <laughs> by it but I was told that I had to earn the pink collar basically you know because it was something like with a lot of like this initial like bestiality porn and training kind of stuff that like like it was very much about that innocent, like playing that like innocent dog, like kind of like BS essentially. So, and there was a lot of drugging involved. That's, that's one thing too. I have to mention is a lot of times the kennel, um, when I was in this kennel space, um, I think there was hallucinogens or something mind altering involved to where it was even more easy to feel relaxed and in the role that you were in. Um, and I feel a lot of times it's hallucinogens just because I did like in, you know, recall it's like always see kind of almost like the grass kind of moving in a strange uh, way, which, you know, later on in life became a little bit more uh, familiar. <laughs> but <laughs> in any case. Um, yeah. So, so in any case, like the, um, you know, when it came to something like that, you know, it was playing with dogs initially before it escalated, you know, wrestling, all that kind of stuff, but, you know, and them, you know, training us, you know, sit, you know, treats, all the bullshit, you know, where you're, you're interacting with another girl who's a hundred percent behaving like a dog and other dogs who are, you know, just doing their thing. And it's really conditioning you to, or that part, you know, to just really have a felt sense of that role that you're a dog you know what I mean and um you know and essentially for that part even like there was this like belief and knowledge that you know that the bestiality was like for one like it was like because they were 
like for us at least like they were smaller dogs and other people have mentioned like things like german shepherds or stuff like that you know for for us like a lot of it was more like terrier type breeds there was a couple there was just two that they used consistently like a like a benji looking one a little scotty type type one basically um that they used consistently like early on in the training and everything but basically like saw the sexual abuse from the dogs as like less traumatic and and painful as the sexual abuse from the from the humans you know what i mean so you have this like you know like we're just like just like well like being a dog is way better <laughs> it's way better than being a human you know like like being a dog's cool like dogs aren't that bad you know they're just like they're just being dogs you know what i mean like and so it's like you have all all of this like insane disgusting fucking you know pornography being made but also like training that's that's happening to create like an altar that believes 100 percent they're an animal and that's kind of what we had mentioned early on like a lot of people even if they don't have experiences with bestiality or something who are survivors will have animal altars so i don't want people to jump to conclusions just because you have animal altars you know it's very natural for like the kid's brain to like you know sometimes feel like that's the thing that they could have been to like just just help them you know or like give them strength or something like that and you'll have a lot of times protectors that are different kinds of animals you know or just you know even people that felt like that they didn't have any safe humans in their life and just bonded with animals that's very common you know with with survivors you know to feel like they had only experienced true unconditional love with animals you know so i don't want people you know if you're in memory recall to like freak out too if you have animal alters, it does not necessarily mean that you went through the same kind of stuff, you know, so, you know, trigger warning. Um, but in any case, you know, uh, it, it was something that was like, that was, you know, really normalized, you know, they would also, when we would go over to like his house, like would also kind of reinforce like the dog playing and stuff like that with us, like, and everything. So like outside the kennel situation you know because they were just family friends and stuff um and it was always to really enforce the obeying you know having a master and everything like that and and also just being you know it was just another like porn performance you know kind of role that you had you know that it was just it was it was the role it was just the role you you know that part had essentially so when i was dealing you know kind of later on with uh the like the more intense like what we had mentioned kind of like delta style training you know the wolf altar was essentially like based off of like iteration of the dog one that they had created so kind of like the bunker thing where they start off with something that you know has a lot of trauma and everything in one part you know essentially and they've you know kind of like uh, split off a lot of the rage and everything because that part's only allowed to be, you know, happy and fun and stuff like that. Then they pick up, you know, they re-trigger that kind of stuff, you know, with like the the ripping of dog, ripping apart thing with like the cats or that kind of shit. And they call out, you know, that altar and then they escalate things essentially, you know, to create, you know, uh, a new one, you know, one that can, you know, is and, and does end up doing violence, you know, and they will like continue, you know, some Sometimes you will get dissociation multiple times, you know, where they won't get a part that's willing to do what they want, but they'll just keep torturing you until they do get a part that that they want, you know. And that's why we as survivors have a lot of fragments, you know, is because you'll have a lot of parts that were created that just in traumatic moments that like, you know, like 
are just little pockets of like pain that you have to deal with, you know, that never really experienced much of like the outside world or anything like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so essentially with like this, this event, um, that had kind of culminated in that, that human hunt I had mentioned before with the little immigrant girl, um, and the two boys, um, like had started off with like, essentially like it was one of the times my mom had been gone longer you know so it was kind of closer to I would say probably closer to a week and it was a few several days at the kennel and then I was at the house for uh, like a day or so and then that's when I was you know once I recouped I guess I was back on I was on the plane to the the ritual in um, Washington DC basically that was like hey graduation yay (laughs) you know more abuse um so in any case, uh, you know, like to get, you know, that wolf altar and everything, it's like it's would start off, you know, with essentially my dad um, driving me to this kennel facility. And it's one thing I had wanted to have a picture of just like a little sketch diagram of that I forgot to send over. So I might have you include it in afterwards um because it's crazy you know when you get memory recall and like and just being able to like you know have like a schematic you know of like you know a whole facility (laughs) basically you know it's just like you know because I mean it's not the biggest one in the world either when you're talking about this you know rural kind of boarding area but still it's it's something that feels you know just mind-blowing I guess but in any case you know for this scenario um it was actually uh, pre-blackmail, uh, essentially. So I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of just skipping around on the timeline a little bit because I, in my notes, I even I had to write, talk about the kennel stuff first and the blackmail stuff second. But essentially, this is six, you know, that was seven. <laughs> so um, so this is like when uh, uh, a little before, essentially, the blackmail, which happened like right before we moved. But in any case, um uh sorry so it was just like uh, essentially my dad you know my mom getting you know dropped off at the airport and the next day my dad taking me to um outside of town to this like this rural boarding facility essentially that you know I had been to several times before um and I you know as I start to get there you do start to get kind of triggered and kind of nervous and everything and I remember feeling like you know essentially like begging him not to leave like not to take me there you know and him you know telling me that like you know he had you know it's it's always bribery like you know to be like oh but you have an important job to do and you're gonna make me proud and you know and all this different stuff you know just to kind of like you know like invalidate your fears and your anxieties which are very valid um and uh you know but the trick of programming you know is that when they trigger you they trigger you you know and as we like pulled up into the parking lot you know as I there was um kind of like a a driveway that came off of um the main parking lot essentially um around to like the back area um where there was that indoor area that has like had the fake grass I was saying it was kind of like for I think for just winter you know so that they could get the dogs some exercise but it had like a one area like a little garage um door essentially so um it was him pulling around kind of like the side of where the entrance typically is to like the back area and seeing uh uh Susie 
and her father, you know, Shmuel there, um, and then Smeagol as well, um, who uh, was, who was there, like, like, waiting for me for me to arrive and I just remember like that at that time I kind of remembered him but kind of didn't because you have all these like dissociative blocks up but anytime I'd see a new person a male I would always be afraid (laughs) you know because you know there's a lot of reason to be but as soon as I get there you know this was saying you're triggered you're triggered as soon as I get there you know as what's his face sees us pulling up um, Shmuel out of his pocket he pulls a pink collar essentially so like I had mentioned before that was a huge motivator that you know a lot of the abuse was for you know is that one day I would earn a pink collar essentially so you know it's like all it's like immediately dog altar is triggered you know and fear is out the window and all I am is like you know like a dog you know excited and happy to see your owner to like you know do whatever you you want to to please them and all that kind of crap you know and like essentially like running you know running up to him you know like like a dog you know all excited you know and essentially immediately being backhanded you know like which which was a completely different experience than I had ever had you know in that altar essentially and kind of started you know the um you know the what I consider like the trauma stuff you know which was this whole event to create the wolf altar essentially which is something that is now willing to be uh, an attack dog, you know, something that's willing to be a hunting dog, you know, that's willing to, you know, to kill on command or something. That's like what, what, um, you know, my main handler, you know, Schmeagle that was, was there, you know, to do most of the training. That's what he was there to create. And that's like, he wasn't as interested, you know, in doing all the preliminary stuff. A lot of times he was perfectly content to let, you know, um, to let Shmuel and his daughter and my dad, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But when it came to things that were violent, he loved to get his hands on, you know, and that was totally my experience with this, you know, too, is that it started off as like, you know, uh, getting set up for, you know, um, getting to play around some with like the other little girl with like Susie and her dog altar. But for the most part, you know, it starting off like a normal, normal you know bestiality porn event essentially and you know having the terriers and everything but then it very quickly everything being more intense more violent essentially and you know also being you know raped on Smeal's lap uh, Smeagol's lap, you know, by uh, a Doberman Pinscher, you know, which is obviously a much larger dog, you know, and was incredibly painful, essentially. And really kind of like I was saying, it's like the kind of thing where it, you know, it, there was a quote, <laughs> there was a quote that, uh, that in, in Grace series, you know, when he was putting up the church hearings that Kathy O'Brien says, you know, that, you know, it's like, they take like the suffering of an already, you know, suffering, you know, seven-year-old and just compound it, you know, beyond imagining and that's like that's what this this kind of stuff is you know what kids like end up going through you know for to produce these kinds of things that everyone knows and uh, exists on like you know an unfathomable level on the internet nowadays you know what I mean it's insane how much of it exists nowadays it's it's disgusting really you know and um why I'm confident justice is coming you know um but in any case like you know that's that's how kind of like the bunker memory it's like they they 
end up, you know, creating a part of you that is completely, you know, had gotten used to reality as a dog and I was completely shattered again. <laughs> And, you know, and and essentially has a whole new way of being and stuff like that to understand, you know, and that was and the, the drugging goes a lot into it and kind of like, you know, the initial core memory being left by my dad has a lot to do with it and being told that, you know, this is my new reality, that this is my new owner and that, you know, you're not you, you know, it goes a long way to be told that and to sleep in a kennel, you know, after like a horrible event like that and essentially be waking up you know and like that's so that's the image that i'll i'll have you show now of like the first the painting that i sent yeah so so that was just kind of like the view of every morning like waking up you know, for, I think I was there, like I said, like probably about, I think three or four nights, um, that just like waking up in like the grassy area, you know, like staring at the door, staring at, you know, the light kind of starting to come in through, it was a very narrow window that was near the top, like of, uh, the wall. So the scale in this for that altar is they get kind of frustrated with because like, it's not, it's not a perfect rendition, but sometimes like we just work on what we're working on when it comes to the, um, when it comes to the, uh, uh, you know, the size of the page <laughs> once we get started. So in any case, um, like this is like, and, and to me, this is another way where essentially they told good behavior because that the first morning the two other boys that I was going to be trained with for the rest of that time arrived with their handlers but they were always kept in like these more outdoor like kennel facilities basically that were like the chain link you know with like the you know the walkway down the center so it was always kind of like reiterated to them and to me that like you know that and that's what my abuser wanted, you know, was just because he was the one that's the highest military position and the highest in the organization, I would assume that because of that, he wanted me, his slave, to be the leader of the pack, you know, as stupid as it sounds. So um, essentially, like I, um, you know, that's that's kind of the scene that that I woke up to every morning and like being filled, you know, that part, both with excitement and dread, you know, for the master to walk through, um, walk through that door, you know, and it goes a long way to programming that part, you know, that I'd mentioned that gets that new world order programming and everything like this is the part that gets that programming that their whole reality is this, you know, the kennel is a safe place, you know, and yeah, it's cramped and stuff like that, but at least you're not getting like torture. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> So, um, and, and the interesting thing I will mention about memory recall is like when I was getting, you know, this, uh, part sharing, you know, the details of a lot of what had gone on with them and us working through a lot of the PTSD symptoms, which, you know, is a lot of, um, just being trained and worked really hard. So a lot of like cramping and like knees, legs, like hips back and having to do a lot of like physical things as a kid, but essentially, you know, every time I would get flashes in my left eye, <laughs> I would get literal flashes of, in my left eye of the look of this, um, of this 
bar of light, you know, with the little bars over it. And at first I just, I was crazy. I was like, I'm having like a hallucination out of one eye. Like what, what is going on? It would just like be an instant flash and then it would go away. And it was, it took a, you know, some investigation, you know, and some journaling, you know, eventually, you know, to finally be dealing, you know, with the part. And that's kind of what's allowed me to come back out of things because this is the part I was dealing with that was having difficulty with the disclosure initially, you know, that, you know, that that's the biggest fear is that there is this, um, that 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 was going to be the the thing that they would see wake up to see again you know was essentially having one eye closed the right eye closed laying on our side having our right eye closed and having our left eye just just like peeking open a little bit to see you know if it was light out yet if the master was coming yet and if like the fucking torture was beginning for the day you know and and the torture that was included you can go to the next slide if you want you know and then training and stuff like i'd mentioned um, maybe briefly before was was about you know us them taking that was the rabbit in that scene you know taking rabbits or cats or stuff you know and laming them you know and allowing like making us go hunt and everything and that's another thing that was interesting with memory recall you know for me was dealing with a lot of um was dealing with a lot of hunting techniques <laughs> coming back and thinking I was totally crazy until you look it up online. It's like, okay, is this a hunting technique? And then it's right there, you know, like, and it's like, what, that's like something I've used in my art, like to help me with that shit, you know, like, and I hadn't even realized it, you know, for years, you know, but whenever I try and talk to people about it, they're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So like, I was thought I was crazy. Um, but for example, it's like one of them is splatter vision. So being taught to uh, stock essentially, which is where you're uh, crouched, you know, like looking for movement um, in like a forested or just like a an outdoor area, and that it's essentially how animals view things, which is to focus past the horizon and it turns your whole vision into periphery. And because of that, you're able to detect movement really quickly and then you can zero in on it and then, you know, plan what your next mode of attack is, basically. Um, So, uh, you know, it was things like that, you know, that were, you know, it's like, you know, no, I've never been a hunter as far as my conscious awareness. Though when you deal with memories coming back in like that kind of stuff, you you do feel crazy. But when you read about stuff on the internet, that's like, okay, this is something that I remember I was trained to detect movement. And then you look it up online and it's like, oh, okay, this is a technique that's trained to hunters to detect movement, you know, that, you know, and different things about ways to walk, you know, through brush or shit like that, you know, feels crazy because in my normal life, um, I'm very clumsy and unmindful because I'm always like off in my own world. Like it's a struggle to stay mindful, you know what I mean? But, but then when that stuff leaks in, it's, you know, totally different story. Um, so yeah, so that was just, um, you can go ahead and pull that down if you want. It was just to kind of like, you know, visualize that we're just talking about, you know, like little kids, you know, they're being forced to, in that case, you know, to like anytime we would catch the animal, like, you know, the, the, uh, expected response, you know, was that we were supposed to treat it like we were animals, like, and that we would, would kill it, you know, obviously, and then eat some of it. So, um, so there was, you know, there was that, you know, and then along the lines of kind of getting us used to some of that stuff, dealing with like the kennel type training, you know, it was, and like I uh, had mentioned before, a lot of it too was like us being 
pitted against each other. Um, you know, so being, you know, uh, a lot of times it was like wrestling or like those stalking techniques, like I had mentioned, you know, being able to, you know, that being turned into a game, you know, where we were hunting each other essentially. And that performance, you know, was the kind of thing that would determine how much abuse you would go through essentially. That is that if, you perform poorly that they made an example of you to the other two kids basically like so you never wanted to be like in the worst position you know and that's not a certain way that you know that my handler was always you know testing me you know too is that like he had you know I think part of the reason you know and who knows how many other people you know he had they trained this way but it's like one thing that he you know uh praised me on but also you know was didn't accept anything else was is that like that I was always good at you know going above and beyond you know and doing you know like really wanting to make him proud you know what I mean and just like trying to you know uh you know it's in my normal life I'm not typically very competitive but it was it became a very competitive part of me you know that just really wanted to win to prove myself you know to prove myself as like a you know a um I don't even know like a you know someone it made you feel like a force to be reckoned with you know even and somewhat powerful in your very powerless situation you know on a certain level that's kind of how the stockholm syndrome works you know is that on a certain level you know the kid or the adult that can't get out of the situation realizes that if they can just get on the same agenda as the abuser that there's going to be so much less mental energy you know they're they're in a situation they can't get up anyway you know what i mean so if they could just you know ally themselves with the abuser maybe their situation is going to be just a little bit better you know and that's a very big motivating factor for adults let alone kids who are you know like like just wired to rely on adults for everything you know that they that they get in life you know praise and food and you know affection like you know, all, all this stuff, you know, a place to live, you know, it's like they, they make it seem for that altar, you know, like that they would be, you know, out in the woods and nothing, you know, if, if they, you know, didn't have that kennel to come back to, you know, so things that are tortures are still seen as rewards and stuff. And, and that for me, like, was one reason, you know, it's something that, you know, it's still, kind of like we were saying, like, it's like the young parts of me could see me now, you know, like, and they can like, essentially, you know, and, and healing that part, you know, and realizing that, like, that they were still waiting to be rewarded with freedom, when it was something we had already, you know, they were still like waiting to be recognized for something for a role, you know, that they felt like they were really good at, you know, and had like really excelled at and everything. And that it's like, you know, it was, it kind of, like meant nothing but it's also a total mind fuck like if you were to realize tomorrow you were a dog like in reality like that would be a mind fuck <laughs> you would be like wait this whole time i've been a dog you know so so for a part so for a part that's identified as a dog or a wolf to like come to the place you know where it's like for us you know it's like it is prayer you know and coming to a place where it feels like jesus tells that part to stand you know on two legs or something and for it to for it to release that role finally of being like you know i felt that was that was my my whole identity you know how i got 
everything in life, you know, and to, like I was saying for that part, to come to a place of realizing, you know, we're already free, you know, we're already, it's already a human, you know, this idea that they were here and the master was here because you were a wolf and they were a human it was never a reality to begin with, you know, that it was all a, a total mind fuck, you know, and that's, that's where the, the gifts of healing, you know, really, really come in, you know, and, um, I, uh, you know, I like to kind of like stress, you know, that it's like that this was like, you know, for kind of like the core event, you know, a, a multi-day event, you know, with three different kids. And at the end of it, you know, we had, um, I guess if you want to pull them up now, you know, the human hunt, you know, that they, that they had essentially kind of done all this training for. And there was also some training for the, you know, not just eating animals, but eating the human aspect of it because they were forced us to eat a piece of one of the victims at the end that essentially, um, you know, some of that training even went in on in, you know, the vet facility, essentially, where, um, where, you know, they, they had a corpse, you know, were willing to like train us to see, you know, if, if we were willing to perform, you know, the same kind of stuff they had trained us on animals with, with humans, essentially. Um, so, you know, this was kind of like, why I, I kind of started with this is the first couple of images here are actually, um, what <laughs> should have happened, uh, is, kind of how I always like to start off therapy and everything. And it may look very violent to some people, but it's part of, you know, my therapy and <laughs> feeling like empowered and stuff. And that was essentially just myself holding the hand of the little girl that was soon to become a victim, you know, and instead of, you know, having been forced to hurt her, essentially being allowed, you know, to turn those same skills on the psychopaths that had put me and the other kids, you know, through all of this. And that is the second, you know, the second photo is just the me, the two kids that, you know, were also going through this training. And then the three immigrant kids that had been kidnapped to be doing the training on us, you know, like with us, like being harmed, killed, essentially, that, um, you know, it's being what I hope, you know, this podcast and things do is just helps lead, you know, victims, you know, past and present to freedom. Tree of life, you know, is just what, the, you know, is representing, you know, it's just, you know, life, essentially. Um, so, you know, the scenes lower are just showing, you know, essentially what, you know, kind of what, how I had kind of visualized, you know, and journaled like this portion of events, you know, which was uh, a little bit more black and white if you don't like mind the pun you know but like we are dealing with like with like an animal part um so uh yeah it was just me being in the cage you know that I had shown before and let out into the area that had the um the grass essentially and then being meeting up with the other two handlers and their you know slaves essentially outside um, getting into off-road vehicles, um, and you can go to the next one, um, if you want. And, uh, remind me, did I go over this whole event, but just not show this before? You, yes, you had went over, um, you did an overview of it, but we didn't show these photos. 
Yeah. So, so I'm just going to briefly go do an overview because it might have a little bit more context now that I've gone over more of like the kennel, you know, stuff like specifically and everything, just that, you know, it was an event. And the thing is, is like that I just want to bring up too, is like that this part, you know, was, was called up later, you know, for, for another, you know, human hunting event, you know, of immigrants too, when I was in, um, in living in Tucson, you know, but was outside of Tucson, kind of closer to the border for a church camp, essentially, and was picked up by uh, Smeagol, essentially, to just show me off as like a hunting dog to a, a guy that he was with, um, you know, another mili- high up military official, you know, and it was kind of the same scenario with us driving, you know, some off-road vehicles, um, to a remote area, meeting up with a coyote who then delivered, you know, some immigrants to them to uh, to essentially chase through the woods. And then my job was to be like the hunting dog for that role, you know, which was still this part, you know, to um, once we had gotten close to where they were at to essentially stalk the rest of the way and like hold them there, um, you know, by threatening them with a knife for my handlers to come in and kind of like finish the job essentially. Um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's essentially like what we're seeing here, you know, it's just that, you know, it was the little kid uh, kids being allowed to kind of run off um, and hide and uh us being allowed to like chase after him and there was a lot of different skills that were had been trained that were being like tested at this point it wasn't just like could we follow tracks you know um it wasn't just you know like could we like actually like physically like find these kids and like bring them back but a lot of it was um at least for me was like, it was a lot of it was like trust too. Cause like I said, they like really had us kind of pull out the, um, uh, I kind of like coax the kids out, out of like hiding and stuff like that versus just like straight, like roughing them up and stuff like that. Because like I had mentioned with the new world order training, you know, that was a big part of stuff for that part was knowing when, the right move was going to be was going to be force or whether the right move, you know, which typically was what I was trained in was stealth and essentially duplicity, you know, being able to be kind and sweet, you know, and trying to and being able to lure someone back, you know, with with me, you know. Um, so uh you can go ahead and go to the to the next slide and that's so that's pretty much like this is just more illustration of like us like in the scrubland and everything um the little girl who was hiding behind the tree and the little boys behind the rocks um essentially like uh i we found the little girl first and then the little boys and i had sent them back with the little girl and then i had want gotten the two little boys myself and it was like and this is why it's like fucked up for me is like because like for that part it was a sense of pride you know like when we were having to work through this like this this dangerous part you know it was a sense of pride that we were able to do all of this stuff and then to do a bigger portion of it you know what i mean to like to direct the other kids and to like you know to essentially lead three kids back to their doom you know like that's why it's really hard if you've gone through this kind of stuff 
to even want to process this shit, you know, even though I was a kid, you know, and I would have never chosen to be there, you know, and I had gone through so much to get to that point. It's still like to know that you physically were the one that helped perpetrate on another, you know, on another innocent thing. It's just, it, you know, it, it's easy to see why the programming is built on such, you know, intensity and everything, because you do believe you're a criminal, you're doing the worst things in the world. So being able to like turn yourself around and look at those things and to move forward, you know, is, is really, you know, the most important thing in the world. And it's why, you know, I've liked a lot of the especially like, you know, the male survivors lately that have come out that have, you know, you know, kind of spoken even to perpetrators when they're called to being like, just come out and do speak about what you did and what you had to do and everything. Cause I mean, you can go ahead and take that down when you have a chance. Um, I uh, like when it comes to the, um, when it comes to all of, all of this stuff, like, there's like no difference on a certain level, you know, between someone that was like forced to perpetrate, you know, even there's been other abusers that have talked about that a lot, you know, there's almost no difference between them sometimes and our abusers. Like if as much as I hate these motherfuckers, you know, and would love them all to burn in hell, like if tomorrow any one of them were to call me up and say, Carrie, I admit it. I did it all. I'm sorry. And you know what? I'm ready to turn myself in and melt all these motherfuckers to the wall. I would welcome them in with open fucking arms. You know what I mean? Because I don't really give a fuck about any of that stuff. You know, I what I care about is that we put a stop to like this stuff that I went through, you know, as a kid, essentially, like, when I talk about these, like, memories that I have, you know, it's like, it's horrible what I went through, you know, but like I said, like, the motivating factor for me is just knowing this is three decades ago, and we're just piling, you know, tragedy on top of tragedy and wasted life upon wasted life, you know, and that it's something that makes me sick, you know, and should make everyone sick, you know, and makes, like, makes, god fucking sick you know what i mean like because it's not it's not right you know and we have things like dissociation and healing and stuff like that to try and manage these kinds of things but it shouldn't happen in the first place and the first step is awareness you know and people understanding you know that you know vets offices <laughs> dentist offices you know they are they're some of their favorite fucking, you know, places to like, you know, it's not the places they think, you know, it's not the places people think that, you know, they're going to go to the bad part of town, you know, the people that have the money for these kids don't want to go to the bad part of fucking town, the kids get brought to them, you know what I mean, like, and brought to these places that are remote, that are, you know, totally bought in, you know, with a veterinarian or a dentist that has all the chemicals that they need, you know, on hand and facilities and stuff to do insane things like this, you know, because they're just part of the same organized crime network, the same network of psychopaths, of fucking demonics, you know, and that's the thing, like, that's why it's like, like, does anyone think I'm like interested in like, you know, my goal in life was to like share on like <laughs> YouTube to fucking thousands of people, you know, that I was like raped by dogs, you know, like how disgusting and fucking embarrassing is that shit? You know what I mean? Like, but 
it's it's the reality, you know, and it's the thing that I can't like I can't turn away from if I want to heal, you know. So it's the thing that I feel like, you know, the world can't turn away from, you know, if they want to if they want to heal and they, they want to change this type of stuff. Like if, you know, people stay in this mode of somewhat anger, but not really do have feeling enough to say anything, you know, it's never really going to change, you know, like if like you've said before, you know, it's like if people have gone through this, people need to be at least willing to like listen to this and understand the reality of it, you know. And the thing is, if we go through this period of exposing this darkness, hopefully on the other side of it, we'll go through a period where we don't have to talk about it so fucking much because it won't be such a big deal in the world, you know. That's my goal. So I don't know. Um, I think that's probably most of like what I was telling, like was kind of interested in like sharing today. You know, I would love to know if you have any like thoughts or anything that I should like fill in like any more. Um, I in future videos on like my channel, like I had mentioned before, is like, you know, like I'd mentioned like with the animal altars or perpetrator altars or stuff like that, you know, that it communication is very difficult when it it seems so di different you know this part from how we see ourselves you know typically as a front person you know but it's in bridging that communication that you get the healing you know you get the freedom from the triggers and the PTSD symptoms and everything so just kind of like you know I'm interested in indicating to you know all of everyone, you know, that hasn't gone through it, you know, it's something I would encourage survivors to do too, you know, it's just to have like compassion and gratitude for all parts, you know, that like even these parts have come to a place, you know, that they, they took on this level of, of, of pain, you know, and everything so that I could be here today. And maybe some people think I shouldn't be, you know, and that's, that's fine. I've gone through that. <laughs> you know, you're a survivor you've gone through that place many times you know but that's why why I try and do this and be here is like you know is the pain has to be made worth it you know the pain like needs to be you know redirected from inside you know into the uh, into the victim and out to where it belongs you know which is on the you know on, onto the abuser and like the last thing I'll say you know is I'm just gonna grab it like <laughs> this baseball bat is what i've been staring at <laughs> the whole time of our interview is oh, a baseball bat and it has been uh some of the best therapy in the world to hit a punching bag with that baseball bat and to do a little bit of anger work because if you're anything like me anger feels like the most toxic emotion of the bunch the one that you can't touch because there's so much of it you know but in my experience you know like that right there you know this this was like the key along with the pen the journaling you know this was the key to unlocking that programming and like really starting to release you know and empower and everything and give back all that shit that like we as survivors should never take on and internalize and really just like you know that's why I talk about it today. As, as disgusting as this stuff is, I have nothing to be ashamed of. My abusers have to be, have everything to be ashamed of, you know, but I would have never gone through any of this stuff if I had a, had a choice, you know, as a child, you know, I do believe from a soul perspective that we, we choose our incarnation just to, 
you know, because we all have a job, you know, from from God, regardless of who you are or what your story is. You know, it's like if if you have a body, like you have a job, you know, in this place. So I do feel like, you know, on a certain level, I did take this on, you know, from a, from a soul perspective, you know, and that's why, you know, like I said, it's it's got to be worth it. You know, like the suffering for myself has got to be worth it and um, preventing it even an ounce for other people is is the only thing that matters. I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, one of my guests that I've had on the show from uh, the UK, John Wedger, he's an advocate um, for satanic ritual abuse survivors and uh, children. You know, one of the things that he said, which might sound so vile to people, but he had said on my first podcast that I did with him, he said, I don't wish this because it's disgusting. But part of me wishes that everybody would have to watch a little scene of child pornography because it changes you fundamentally to actually see what is being done to these kids. He's like hearing things doesn't always elicit that response in people. They sort of look away. But if you're seeing it, like you can't look away and you you can't forget it. And he's like, my job, he was an ex-police yeah. officer, you know, like he's like, when I came across cases where I had to see that it changed my life, you know? And he's like, it set me on my mission, you know? So he didn't mean it like he actually wishes, but it's, it's the same principle of why this is important that you share these really vulnerable and raw details, because it does give a glimpse that's really hard to look at and that people are going to want to pull away from, but they can't, you know, and they shouldn't. And anybody that's watching this, that, that understands how important these stories are like they're choosing to look because they're saying this is important just like what you said to help prevent this and to make me care more and to sort of like light a light a fire under my butt you know like we do have to be exposed to this because regardless of how comfortable it or uncomfortable I should say it is for us to 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 take it in you know and and I love how you said yeah it's hard for somebody for two seconds to hear it but there's children today that might still be at these same facilities that you were taken to 30 years ago. And like you said, every single year, every single week, every day, they're cycling kids through like how many kids need to be sacrificed before people look and say, this has to stop. What do we need to do? You know? And so I, I appreciate your vulnerability. This stuff is so hard to, to hear. And I can't imagine how hard it is to talk about. And you are so damn brave, Carrie. Like you are so brave to be able to, to bear your soul like this and to be able to, to share on this level. You know, this isn't easy and most people don't tread here because it's so hard and so triggering, you know, and, and I know it's not enjoyable for you. So I appreciate you so much and I value everything that, that you bring to the table and like your courage to talk about these really hard things that other people don't want to look at. They don't want to talk about, you don't see it anywhere. You know, even the snuff stuff, you know, we were talking about this before Katie Groves, you know, she was like the only person that I had ever heard talk about that. And it's like, how, how is this person that's being censored on the internet? You know, that, that like has no resources and like nobody around her to help. Like she's, she's the only voice like nobody else is saying anything like this is horrible. This is disgusting. Like it's, it's horrific. It's unfathomable. And everybody's just like going on with their life, you know, and, and it's happening and like all over the place and probably still at these same facilities that you and her were at. And so it is important that we fundamentally understand 
these things. And hopefully it shouldn't take people having to see it to care. But if that's what it takes, you know, and we need to get into nitty gritty details for people to finally say, oh my gosh, I feel nauseous. Like this is freaking terrible. You know, I need to do something. What can I do? And just to feel that, just to feel a little tiny glimpse of what somebody like you has felt, you know, a little itty bitty teeny 0.0000 infinite 1% of like that fight or flight adrenaline feeling of like, oh my gosh, what is happening in the world? You know, like that could change somebody to feel that. So I just want to honor you and thank you for coming on and sharing, you know, some of the most intimate, horrible, you know, details of your life. And to say like, you have nothing to be embarrassed of. Like these people do the fact that they're making small kids do this crap. Like what kind of a sicko makes a kid be intimate with an animal or with an adult? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's disgusting. So another kid. We need to embarrass them by exposing this. Like they are the ones that need to be embarrassed and to be like, what the am I doing? You know, like, and I know that they won't because the psychopathy, like you talked about, but it's like, they need to know that, that we know and that they're not getting away with it, you know, and you're doing that. Like you are that honed weapon that's now pointing at them. And that is like the best quote ever that's been said in the history <laughs> Oh, that's such a powerful quote for survivors to be like, they're Carrie's right. Like I'm the weapon. Like they need to be ashamed of what they did. They need to be scared of me, not the other way around. Like that is so powerful. And I love your fierce, like warrior spirit, you know, like you're such a fighter for survivors. You're a fighter for your family. You're a fighter for yourself, you know, and for this community, you're such a voice for so many people who you know, unfortunately don't have a voice or didn't make it through to ever have the opportunity to, to be on a podcast or to be heard in any capacity, you know? So just thank you with all my heart, Carrie, you're so precious and such a beautiful soul and you're so brave. And like, you're everything that I feel like women should look up to, to be as a mother, as a partner, as, as an advocate, and just as a person, you know, I love like the role model aspect that comes out of, what survivors have overcome, you know, we need to be looking to you guys to say, how do we show up in the world and like be better people, you know, and, and you teach us that through your example. So thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you. I mean, having this, having this place to do it, you know, it, it couldn't happen without it, you know, it couldn't have been a step I took, I took in, in my world, you know, and I really, you know, the, I believe I constantly think when I'm in the shit, you know, like the dark places, you know, that, you know, nothing grows in the comfort zone. <laughs> if we maintain, you know, the, you know, life just gives us situations, you know, and th- lessons, you know, and, and everything like then, you know, it, it helps to, to really, to really overcome, you know, and thank you, you know, like I said, in the very beginning of the episode for being, you know, one of the lights that helps to keep me focused and oriented on the positive things, you know, because, you know, we're, we're going to go through a roller coaster. If you're, if you're a survivor, because there's, there's levels and layers to the intensity that you, that you went through most likely. So um, just having, you know, that community that, you know, like, like you, all of your content, you know, which is always, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad that quote has been helpful. It's helpful for me. Like, it's like, it, it helps me feel like, fuck, 
fucking empowered, like a fucking badass. It reminds me of how much I have to be grateful for and how much I've turned around in my life. You know, like we said, to point things that I hated about myself that were all strengths that I just have now, you know, directed towards the right, towards the right fucking cause, you know, and out of that comes, you know, my own joy, you know, and my own feeling like, you know, like we are making, making some difference in the world. And I do hope, you know, that, that I can, you know, and at any point, you know, in any of the shit I say, you know, I think, you know, like, higher power has spoken through your guests and you many times to myself. And I just hope that anything I say, you know, I've pray about it, you know, and can help anyone, you know, either to heal or just to, like you said, understand the reality of this on the level that like, it's going to make that change that we need. So thank you so much. Thank you too, Carrie. You're such a, you're just such a light in this world and everybody loves you whenever you come on. So I really appreciate it. And if you wouldn't mind, if you want to remind people like where they can connect with you, let them know what your YouTube channel is. If you're on any other social, um, you know, hopefully a lot of people are, are already supporting you, but of course I want, I want more every episode that you come on. And every time we promote you, I want more and more people to go support you too. Yeah. So, um, I probably didn't do the best thing with sending people initially to like my professional page. Cause it kind of overloaded my assistant a little, <laughs> a little bit with things that are, um, not professionally related. So, <laughs> so I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hold off on like really sending people to, to anything right now. Cause I'm in the works of actually creating more of like a survivor based, like Instagram, that is going to be a good platform for people to connect with me directly if they want in a way. But until that time, the best way is just going to be the YouTube, which is Desert Dakini. And uh, it's D-A-K-I-N-I for Kini. Yeah, there you go. Um, It's a little wordy. I might take a a survivor's perspective again, but, you know, that's that's life. I'm honest. I'm very low tech. You know, so anyone, if you're going there looking for like something fancy, you're not going to get it. Like I'm going to use like Sharpies and a board to like describe what I'm talking about. But hopefully so it gets what? the job done. <laughs> so what? That's my, I don't do anything high tech. Like, and and we, you know, to some degree, like until you grow, I don't think you do looks very polished. <laughs> well, so do yours. Look at these thumbnails and everything. Uh, like, it looks great. Your background, your lighting, like it's beautiful. And who cares? <laughs> the fact that you went up and you did it, uh, despite like feeling, oh my gosh, like I don't know if I know what I'm doing. I don't know, you know. I don't even know what to say. I'm new to this. I'm not a public speaker. Like I'm not a professionally trained speaker. Like this is freaking cool that you did this, you know, like it, it's so inspiring to me to see that you did it anyways, despite everything that, yeah. that you could have been like, oh, well, I'm not going to do it. Cause I'm not this and I'm not that. And I don't know what I'm doing. Like you freaking did it girl. And it's awesome. You're just going to keep getting better. You don't want to come out with the best stuff in the beginning. You want to build it. <laughs> Give people something to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. There we go. It's just the beginning, right? <laughs> beginning, yes. So I want everybody, I have it up on the screen, but if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, I'm going to have her YouTube channel in the um, in the show notes. So go support her, go hype her. Her videos are awesome. She's going to keep adding to it, you know, and, and whenever you guys are interacting with her too, like keep in mind, she is a, like, she has a full-time job. She's a mom, like 
she's fitting this in just like I am in her spare time with her own money, her own time. You know, we're up late at night tonight after her, after she just mommed all day and worked like she's <laughs> up late speaking to you guys for free. So go support her, go lift her up. Like her channel's awesome. And these videos, you're going to get so much out of it. And the thing that I love they're really easy to share with people. So if you have people in your life that are new to this, or if you know a survivor who's sort of just coming out of it and doesn't doesn't maybe understand the terminology or some of the things that they're going through, these are really helpful videos, in my opinion. They're very gentle to send somebody to say, hey, here's a little you know, introduction. They're not too long. They're very palatable. There's a lot of good information, but it's not too overwhelming. Um, they're really great and it's a very helpful channel and really good videos to just to send to people, you know, to get to get an actual survivor's perspective. And I love that you put that. I think it's great. So I'm gonna have Carrie's information in the show notes for you guys. Carrie, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap up? No, no, that's that, you know, I just hope everyone has like a beautiful and blessed life, you know, in the direction of healing and all reaching our, our fulfillment. And just if we all do that individually, I'm confident, you know, we're going to make it there, make it there collectively. It's already happening. So thank you all for being here. I really appreciate it. Aw, thank you, Carrie. And like I said, everybody, please go lift her up, go support her, go follow her channel. Um, and then I'll have all, yeah. all of my stuff in the show notes too. If you guys have any questions, leave them in the comments. Be nice in the comments. You guys always, you guys have been with Carrie. I have had very little issues. Um, but if you guys have any questions about this channel, go listen to, uh, my video that I did on the core values. You know, like we we're here for our mission on this podcast is to uplift and to create a safe space for survivors and survivor disclosure. So I want to keep maintaining that. So go hype Carrie, just like you guys always do in the comments. You guys always hype her. Go leave her some love. Go on her channel. Leave her some love. And thank you guys for all the love that you guys give this channel. We couldn't do without you. So on that note, you guys, God bless you. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.